Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely, for the 41st time I'm joined by Hugh Dempsey. How Hugh, how's Hugh doing? Oh, like I've not heard that joke before. Oh, I mean, I, I didn't try to make a Hugh U joke, but halfway through I thought, oh, this sounds like one of those Hugh U jokes that we were yeah. sick of. I was sick of about six months after meeting you and, you know, playing tennis with strangers in the park who would go, what, you? Yeah, yeah. But hey, you know, you got to live with these burdens in life, haven't you? We do. How are you, Sam? I've uh, recently watched a good film, and as it happens, we're going to talk about it today. What have you been up to mm. this week? Uh, it's more of the same, really. It's lockdown, corona, Britain, isn't it? I mean... There's nothing new happening, really. No, true, true. Have you watched anything new other than this film that we're going to watch? Are you binging anything at the moment? Um, I've just been watching TV shows, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was kind of ger- wanting to just be more specific in terms of titles. Uh, I'm watching a German show called Dark, which is like mm. this weird time-travelling sort of... like It's about a t- small town that's got a nuclear power plant plant in Germany and there's like some time travel elements and it's a bit like time travel cross with like Scandi Noir huh. crime drama. The, so the, the fusion that it, we've all been trying out for. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it got a second series so it must be good. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works but but yeah, I mean I'll, I'll, I'll concede does. it might <laughs> a Big Bang Theory had about I mean, 14 look, seasons. <laughs> look, I'm not one of these people who hates on the Big Bang Theory. It may, It's like Popcorn for your eyes, you know. You laugh at it for like thirty seconds and you forget about it, you know. Do you laugh at it? Sometimes. I mean, we're not talking about like Brooklyn Nine Nine or Arrested Development here. We're talking about Big Bang Theory. I enjoyed it. Well, this was the last episode ever of Please Watch This. Gosh, <laughs> uh, good. I, I don't see why people dis. I, I I don't get why people hate on it, but I'm not here to talk about it. No, it's, it's just a lack of um, jokes. I find. I mean, there's loads of... There's well, a lot of laughter, I'll grant you. There is... Have you seen that... There's the thing with sitcoms that use canned laughter or they pipe in extra canned laughter is if you take away the canned laughter, it just looks really awkward. Yeah. And there's, um, yeah. there's one with Chandler from Friends where he just looks like a man having a mental breakdown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And... In uh, Big Bang Theory, they just look all look like raging misogynists. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, especially... Um, What's his Sheldon. Face? Uh No, the one who can't talk to girls in the first series. Glickly, Glicky, Howard, the Indian one. Raj. Raj. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Raj can't. Yeah. And, and here we are with a poo. They've had to stop a poo uh, from The Simpsons, and here we are with Raj. Uh, anyway, we're, we're not here to... I'm not here to hear on Big Bang Theory, even though I've just done that for about two and a half minutes. Um, more aptly... We've been watching another thing this week, and it's possibly the reason why you've clicked on this episode. We've been watching Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Now, Hugh, I got the sense last week that you it hadn't really come into your radar. Is it a film you'd heard of before? Um, no, not until you'd mentioned to it, mentioned it. I might have heard it in passing, maybe like at least maybe on um, you know film review shows that I've listened to in the past, mm. but. I never saw it, never had, never really had an interest in watching it, to be honest. Well, it was uh, given the award for most, the overlooked film of the year by the Phoenix Film Critics Society, and it really is, it really is that. It's been forgotten, I think, to quite a large extent, and um, it was a film that I loved. I'm pretty sure I watched it at the cinema um, when it came out five years ago, 2015, and just love it, just the indie sensibility and all that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really been been something that I've been looking forward to re-watching really and it almost seems like our role in this podcast is is forming a little bit this is a a broad generalisation but these kind of forgotten indie flicks tend tend to be you know this is maybe the fourth one that I've recommended I think uh, in the shows that we've done Um, Yeah what specifically do you like about this film then Sam? Well I tell you what I'll give a quick synopsis first and then I'll uh, I'll say what I love about it so if, uh, if you're just listening because you've not seen it and you just like our show or you're just intrigued I would recommend go to watch it it's on the UK Netflix at the moment um, if you don't mind spoilers then then do listen ahead so me and Earl and the dying girl uh, me is the you know the eponymous um, kind of protagonist he's called 
I just forgot his name. <laughs> I nearly called him Thomas. Greg. Greg. Thomas Mann plays Greg. And he is coerced by his mum into going around to try to hang out with a girl from school he doesn't really know um, who is has got leukaemia. And she's very resistant. He's very resistant. She doesn't want a pity friend. He doesn't really want to be there. He doesn't know what to say to her. He also has a friend called Earl. Uh, and it all ties together, but his friend Earl and him, they make uh, these <laughs> home movies which I just think are wonderful. They find a classic film, often of foreign cinema, and they make the title stupider, and then they recreate the film in very low budget and, and very endearing ways. Um, and it really follows the friendship, I suppose, between Greg and the the dying girl um, as the film progresses, and also Earl has a part to play because they're going to make a film for her, um, and it's a, a lot of it's around school, so they're all kind of what? How old are they? About seventeen, just pre just pre college kind of age, aren't they? Yeah, in that sort of realm. Yeah, they start off about seventeen and probably turn eighteen during the course of the film. Yeah. I would imagine kind of kind of similar to Boys in the Hood from last about, week. Yeah, it's about a year, isn't it? So yeah, they are. Yeah, those they're, they're good comparison points actually. It's very different lifestyles. Uh, although different, yeah, different lifestyles. Maybe different subject matter ultimately, but it's st- it's a, it is a slice of life. Where with this one, it's got a very specific kind of dilemma at the heart of the film, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. So why I like it, I think, I think the key thing that. Uh, you know, on episode two of our show, Princess Bride, we we possibly overused the word charming, and I found that the the film charmed me really early on. Um, Thomas Mann, who plays Greg, he is very very charming, and I think ultimately when we find out what Hugh thinks of this, so if you're new to the show, he was he would never seen it, and I I had seen it, and we're going to find out in the second half what Hugh thinks of it. It really comes down to whether or not you found his performance charming. He's saying quirky things and awkward things and things that um, are, uh, that could be irritating if it was played wrongly. There are plenty of teenagers who are low self-esteem, awkward, and they say these quirky things and everybody can see that it's just to get attention, basically, and, and to be quirky. And what, I'm, what I like about this, the way that he pulls off these lines is that I don't get the sense that he's saying them to be quirky actually he's got this inner confidence he's got this inner security uh, as awkward as he seems actually he's he's quite confident he's quite smart and he's very pragmatic um, so again if you've not seen it for a while if you've never seen it one of his things at school is to basically not commit to a social group at all just be on nodding terms with every group understand the different languages of each group and I think that speaks to pragmatism and charm as opposed to shy awkwardness. Because shy awkwardness, he'd just be in the chess club or whatever. He'd be in the, he'd be in the library. And I just really, really, really loved his performance. Very, you know, I'd not really seen him in much else before this. Um, and, it made, and he made me laugh, which was really important. And I think um, it's kind of... There's a lot of similarities with, with Wes Anderson. There's a lot of kind of handmade things there's sort of you know there's a there's a every time this uh, the hot girl at school madison uh, comes to speak to him it goes to a stop motion uh, animation of a big i think a moose uh, you know crushing him as a small yeah. woodland creature um it's like where's Go, it gopher i think he says gopher that sounds about right yeah well he says he's got a ground dog face so maybe that's linked to it it's like maybe it's a groundhog you could, yeah. yeah it's a ground dog probably not a gopher yeah something it's, a, it's a small rodent sort of creature so yeah, yeah it's a lot like where's anderson there's a lot of sort of kooky camera angles and quirky characters and, mm. and, and all that sort of stuff but i think i do love where's anderson but i've never cried at a where's anderson film and i don't I don't feel like I could because for me it's relentlessly twee and relentlessly quirky and I'm not saying this is better than Wes Anderson films necessarily but I think it's a refreshing uh, sort of transformation of a Wes Anderson film where it's got all this quirk without being too twee and having a real heart uh, to it so Grand Budapest I think one thing I would I think one thing I would level up Wes Anderson films for all their brilliance is there's no there's no sense that you don't you never believe that the characters on screen are real people. Yes, they always feel like characters in a novel. That's true. Or, or yeah, or they, it, they they feel imagined, don't they? Yeah, like it will pan from one room to the next, but it'll show it almost like a set um, or something like that. Yeah. Whereas this, it, you know, it's got a very serious, serious matter. It's a it's a teenage girl dying of leukemia. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I, like I said, I, do, I couldn't. I've never cried at a Wes Anderson film because I think as well that they're not very real and. 
and it doesn't take but I think, it seriously but that's, enough as but well. I think that's the and that's the strength of the Wes Anderson yeah films, exactly yeah. is that it's yeah. it, I mean a film can be self-aware and then there's there's Wes Anderson yeah true <laughs> you know. and in fact this is just, it's come to me now actually I've been re-watching a lot of The Simpsons because we've got uh, a certain Disney channel uh, recently that's got all The Simpsons and I remember when Family Guy first Disney negative yeah yeah something like that they, they're not paid us when Family Guy first came out Family Guy overtook Simpsons but, but if you're listening Disney we'll take all the monies yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm quite happy to be a corporate shill even if you for, just want to pay the five pounds a month fit, subscription fee 100 grand a year each <laughs> that'd be grand minimum we'd, we'd do what I'd, I'd wear yeah I'll see what you so. want <laughs> <laughs> you know It'll, yeah he will do whatever you want Dizzy. Um, so yeah so so will Sam he's saying that now but he, he would <laughs> I, could, I he can definitely be would <laughs> yes I, I, could, I could do buying a house um, so anyway yeah so the Simpsons, we obviously all loved it. We grew up in the 90s, and then Family Guy came along. And for a little while, Family Guy became, for me, preferred to The Simpsons. But then, as time wore on, I got bored of Family Guy. And I realised, watching this again and over the years, I realised that actually what makes Simpsons a lot better than Family Guy is that, that idea that I don't, Family Guy could never make me cry. So when Brian dies in Family Guy, spoiler alert, um, I, t- I didn't care because they, they treated it as a jerk. Whereas in The Simpsons, they almost never treat the serious consequences as a joke. They just treat the characters and, and so on as a joke. There's a scene where Homer meets up with his mum, who he thought had been dead for years, and then he's got to say goodbye to her again. And he sits out in the in the desert, and it goes dark, and he just sits there under the under the stars, and I get very emotional. And that's kind of how I feel about this again. As I don't want to always just make this comparison to Wes Anderson, but that's the kind of that's the kind of link I'm trying to play. And it's it's really playful, like I mentioned. So Greg and and Earl they make these little short films, and it's just this wonderful thing. They're not doing it for acclaim or you know for commercial success or anything. It's but they're taking it all. They're playing it so straight, and you know they they have films like Seven Seals <laughs> instead of Seven Seal, and it. I just, I just really love it. You know, it's it just, it's charming, hard hitting, really, really great film. I've got lots of warm, okay. warm feelings towards it. What, what do you think I might not like about it, or what, what would you criticise about it? I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I think it all hinges on whether or not you thought you found Greg charming, and I know that you like Wes Anderson, and and just being quite oh, similar to that, I, I wonder if the differences might be, if, might have a problem. Um, maybe yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure what you would like I'm I'm honestly not certain that you will like it um, okay I don't know but I can't itemise why that is I, I do think maybe it hinges on whether you were charmed by it or not right I see fair enough that makes sense if you were to do some objective criticisms of it then what would you offer objectively it doesn't have to be many it doesn't even have one if you had to pick one mm. that you can think of yeah, I don't actually. But, I, I don't know, know. Critical, critical reasoning to a test. It's good. It's good. It's it's a film. It's a film that over the years I'd, I'd never, th- I'd never remembered a negative negative side to it. I have obviously in doing research for this, I've seen some negative reviews. Uh, one being that, mm. um, or a couple, one or two refer to the fact that it's it's a bit narcissistic of Greg. That it seems to be more about him than anybody else, and you know her leukemia is just about. His life. I think another thing that I really loved that maybe he didn't like was that he lies. Uh, he lies, and it's what gave him the real gut punch. So third of the, half of the way through the film, he said, "I know this is looking really bad, but I just want you to know that she doesn't die." And then in the penultimate scene, she dies. And and for me, even I, I watched it again last night, fully knowing that that lie was coming, and I just lost it I just you know all the fluid drained out of my face and um, and I felt a really strong emotional Christ. feeling from that all the fluid all out of your face fluid. <laughs> and uh, yeah and so you know I applied I'm for... not saying Sam's like some water <laughs> balloon your face. face a lot of emphasis there on the your um, so it might be that that perturbed you in some way I don't know but for me it made it it made it even better so yeah I'm, I'm fair enough I'm I'm on tenterhooks to find out Hugh's views. So, do you think I liked this film? Somewhat. I don't think it's going to be a resounding oh, 9 that's, out of 10. That's, that's, a quali- that's a qualifier. Sitting right on the fence. I think it's going to be a 7 out of 10. Classic 7 out of 10, maybe 6.5. So we'll see. So, listener, I hope you're as tense and nervous as I am. Please join us after the break for Hugh's views. 
and welcome back to Please Watch This. We are ready for Hugh's views. So, Hugh, what did you like about this film? So, um, as you've already mentioned, um, it is, it's almost, it is an indie film, so it's, I think it is one of those things where you end up comparing a lot of indie films to Wes Anderson films. You know, he just, he kind of almost has cornered that sort of quirky market, hasn't he, of, you know, well-made art-directed films. Like, you you know, like on a film like, say, The Avengers, just for example, the art direction and the art department in those films are incredible, but you, because they're big blast, big blockbuster um, popcorn movies you don't you don't think of all the little details mm. that they put into it but a film like this you definitely do see that so I really loved that you're right about the direction uh, by um, Alfonso uh, Gomez yeah. Rejon I think that's how you pronounce that um, he he definitely you know like you said the quirky camera movements I really enjoyed all that um, for me actually it's interesting you say that the film rests on um on Thomas Mann's performance and whether you find him charming or not um, I, I didn't not find him charming and I didn't mm. find him overly charming you know there's in cinema there's more charming kind of teen narrating characters of a of a story you know he's it is well worn sort of territory a kid who's a bit you know like on the outside but awkward but very you're right it's quite interesting that he was very aware mm. of his awkwardness so he was trying to avoid ever getting into trouble you know he gives his list of things that he doesn't want to happen to him you know he doesn't want to make any <laughs> mortal enemies he doesn't want to embarrass himself for life um and he's yeah he sees all those groups there's the bit there's the tracking shot through the cafeteria which just looks like <laughs> yeah. an absolute hell films, films are often quite good at <laughs> you that know? you know mean girls or whatever sort of portraying it as this you know serengeti or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah 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 there was a bit of like so yeah you've got kind of a lot of overlap with other teen films and you know i felt like the first maybe 20 minutes maybe or not even 20 minutes maybe the first 10 minutes when he's going through all this and you know he's, you're setting up the premise of the of the situation you're setting the groundwork yeah i felt like i'd seen that before in other films i'm not gonna lie you know there's other films that have quirky main characters who are interesting um but so yeah it didn't um but the film didn't hinge on his performance actually strangely enough um he i've put down here that it's well acted by everyone in the film um all the support characters all the um you know the two leads in it essentially um uh, thomas mann and olivia cook mm. they're brilliant in this i thought you know they're both good. She's, I think she's really good in this. Olivia Cook playing uh, Rachel. Yeah, she's a lot to convey for, for some so young. You know, she's she's going through a lot. And... Very expressive eyes, hasn't she? She's got big eyes. Yeah, yeah. Actresses that have big eyes are able to convey more, especially when she's sat there. What is what becomes on her deathbed? That's the, the camera's basically on her. Yeah, eighty percent of the time, and that's what really killed me. Was uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, everybody needs a friend like Earl. Yeah, <laughs> that's something I really liked about this film. That guy has no bullshit. I love him. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I love him. Yeah, I was not. I was expecting when I was watching this for those two to be quite similar. Yeah, you know, yeah, in yeah. Like the way they act, the way they behave. Because usually the people who are friends tend to be like that. They've got very a lot of similarities, <laughs> yeah. and these two are almost like chalk and cheese. Yeah, yeah but yeah. yet they have this love of making films together. Yeah, and Earl just tells it like it is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed that, and yeah, he's very good in this. Um, what else did I enjoy? Um, it's a funny film, you know, the bit where he does the Werner Herzog impression. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> that really made me laugh. Um, I like it when they get stoned. That's really funny. Yeah, uh, they think it's the um, the <laughs> Korean no, so the Vietnamese food. Vietnamese, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they're like, and on the bus, and he gets he says out loud that he's uh, got high <laughs> off his teachers. St- dash basically yeah <laughs> well that's yeah. what they think and then it turns out that they're not, but, um, they've not taken yeah, into account the cookies, cookies from, a, from a drug dealer yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's all really funny um the, but for me the film i guess really hinges on do you buy the relationship between um greg and rachel essentially mm. is that an authentic friendship that that the film is and you do you do buy it you know they even though it's like an awkward coming together where the mum make literally forces him to go over um i really liked that 
seeing that relationship blossom. And I like the yeah. fact that, like you said, Greg isn't a reliable narrator. He does lie to you. Where when I when I first heard him say, "Oh well, she's going to be fine," part of me was like, "Oh right, so this is a love story then, and they're just going to fall in love, and it's just going to become a bit conventional, but it's a bit wacky with the you know with the stop motion animation of the uh, moose and things like that." But it developed more than that. It was like, "Oh." I mean, look, at that point, you've got two junctures narratively you can go down. You can go down unreliable narrator or um, honest narrator, and he's an unreliable narrator, which yeah. for me is always better because it gives you more dramatic tension later on down the line. So yeah, did either... you, was there any? Was there a point where you didn't believe him when he said she's going to pull through? I mean, you just take it on face value, don't you, presumably? Um, I'm not sure, if I'm being honest. I think... It's hard to say, Sam. I suppose it comes down to when she started at, at to first, definitely die. I believed him. Yeah, yeah. When she started to definitely and die, then, did you did you go? Oh wait a minute, what's he lied to us? Uh, what the point I realised that she wasn't going to make it was when they have the big argument in her room, right? Because even though he says she's going to be fine. But they do like little misdirects. It's like um, so many, is it like 108 days before the end of the relationship? Right. Or, um, is it not the end of the relationship? The Oh, the since the death of, of, of the, the friendship. Doomed, of the doomed relationship. Do, that's that. it. That's the words. Yeah, yeah, the doomed relationship. So you're thinking, well, he she could get better, but he ends up ruining their friendship or their relationship if they end up getting into a relationship because he ends up being, like you said, a bit self-centred and a bit of an arsehole and like all the things that he thinks protects him turns out to be the things that make him unlikable and then they fall out but then there's a resolution when she gets better Some, you know I thought maybe it was going to play out like that and I was yeah. glad it didn't to a point um, so yeah so I enjoyed that what else um, what else did I like John Bernthal's um, great in it <clears throat> so yeah he look right okay in, in fact I'll go straight into what I didn't like about it oh dear um, personally and it it is more realistic but a part of me did just want them to fall in love properly oh dear and even you, if she died we go back to the same problem yeah. I show you an indie film and say oh, it's not that mainstream doesn't follow the cookie cutter stuff and you're like oh I wish it was a bit more cookie cutter and standard wouldn't that be fake I though know, wouldn't but... that just be like oh, so he falls in love with the girl that he's been forced to isn't that just a bit like every other film it, it is but the film is so Look, these kids aren't real kids in the way they behave. They're yeah. too they're too intellectual. They're too witty. Teenagers don't have that kind of level of intelligence. They, no, sorry, they do have that level of intelligence. But nobody speaks like the way teenagers are written on films. Even the most... like It's very rare to see teenagers have real interactions. Like I... like um, Because of the audience that this is aimed at, there's like one F word in it. Kids swear like troopers. <laughs> you know, that was my lived experience when I was a teenager. In a comprehensive school in Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe that's... But kids all over the world like to break taboos, and one of the easiest taboos to break is uh, swearing. So, yeah, I was... But, and, but do you know what it is? It's because they had enough moments in it that did make it quite conventional. So you go, oh, well, it's, mm. you know, you don't want an, in, a conventional indie teen film. Well, this is a pretty conventional indie teen film, I would argue. I think it's, it's I mean, sad is it, that I mean, it's, they don't it, fall it's in kind of, it has those John Hughes staples of these are some cliques in the school yeah. and nobody wants to embarrass themselves. But is it really a, is it really it's conventional? Yeah, I would say it is, yeah. Because, um, You've got the cliques, you've got the the two friends, you know, you've got the detached teenager who doesn't want to get involved but ends up getting involved. Um, there's a solid resolution. You know, I think it would have been more interesting if he had bit told the truth and she had got better and he just if you wanted to change it, he messed up the relationship. You know, if he wanted it to be sad, it's that he failed yeah. at it. But I like the conclusion to this film. I, it's weird. It's I see your point and it's a valid point. And that's the direction they chose, and whether that was the direction they were always going to choose. But I think there's a human element to it that feels like it's missing. I feel like kids don't spend, t teenagers that age don't spend that much time together and don't get romantically involved. Just unless they're not sexually attracted to each other, and there's clearly sexual chemistry between them. You I don't. I don't it. know if that's true. I mean, I think it is. 
Certainly that's, the circumstances. Yeah, I think so. But certainly the circumstances under which they are friends, because she likes the fact that he's not a bullshit. Oh, how, you know, sorry, you've got cancer, sort of person. If she didn't have a terminal illness, I'm sure they would have got together. Ultimately, I think if well, yeah, maybe, but is it is know. is this is is there a maybe? Just psychoanalyzing it, you here. Is it where you're like, oh, this is what I as a viewer want in this moment, as as opposed to this is what would make it a better, more interesting film. You know, like you really the film's you, interesting enough. No, no, no these films. No, about, what, what I mean is, it is a, it's a moral. It's like a, it's it's an unusual situation that he's in, and more, more the in. more you the know, very few teenagers die of terminal cancers. You know. Yeah, well, that's it. So like. Whenever you're watching a film with a with a dilemma and a conflict and all this, you want it to be a happy ending. But when you finish watching the film, it doesn't mean that would have made it a better film if it was happier. Like Blade Runner. Or, have you seen Butterfly Effect? You know what? Oh, is that the... I, I haven't seen it all the way through, but I know... I kind of know what happens at the end. I well, can't remember there's, the there's about head, three different endings. So one of them is a yeah. one of them is a kind of happy ending. One of them is a uh, not not exactly happy, not exactly sad ending. One of them is a really desperately sad ending, and the desperately sad ending is the better ending that fits the rest of the film. The happy ending makes you feel better at the end. Is is there a is there a risk there where you sort of as it like say as a viewer well, they still you could want have, they still could have they still could have had her die, and it be it's still like. A tragic film, isn't it? Ultimately, whether he says he loves her or not, I just think it would have. And obviously, he conveys that he does without having to say it. I just think it would have been nice if she, in that moment, I think it would have been nice for her to hear it. Imagine living. I mean, it's awful, but imagine living your life and having, you know, being of that age and having no one ever tell you that, you know, romantically that they love you. It's quite sad, in my. Yeah, opinion. it is sad, and I think and she clearly. Maybe she knew it, I suppose, and she didn't need to hear it. But maybe that's what this, the final <laughs> film that is made for her is, rather than him, yeah, bringing a bringing a bunch of flowers and saying "I love you" and "Oh, is it rain, raining?" I hadn't noticed. I think it's probably better that it's got like a Brian Eno scored, you know, yeah. phantasmagoric video that kind of says, "I put four months worth of work into this because I love you." Not romantically, yeah, I like the fact but it doesn't have to be that. When we speak about the. Uh authenticity of you know an indie film that's clearly well produced but i do like the fact that he put all his effort into that into that relationship yeah and and he he suffered because of it you know he wasn't just he didn't just suffer mentally or physically well he suffers mentally more than anything but he actually his life suffers because of him spending all this time comforting this girl yeah he's, he's eight, eight years like carefully curated anonymity or kind of staying under the yeah. radar of everybody and it's fucked in like a day <laughs> when he when he commits to yeah it. no I, I, I do like because yeah. that's that's his flaw isn't it as a character like you, you said quite um quite articulately earlier kind of that part of his flaw was what made him untouchable at school was kind of his flaw in, in getting close to somebody and in order to get close to somebody he had to ruin he had to ruin all that radar stuff at, at school yeah and you and yeah yeah when you put it like that yeah so in a in a bad teen comedy or indie film he would have got straight A's and gone to you know he would have gone got into university oh, I think I mean it's it, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it's kind of hinted at that he gets in anyway because she writes that lovely letter at the end yeah um, and I think that's really sweet but I think again it's stuff like that that this is where the balance comes this is why if they're going to have scenes like that then you've also got to you do sometimes have to give the audience what they want in that moment because that's the payoff that's the setup you know if that's the execution and that's where a bit like with Blade Runner 2049 you feel that film as great as it is there is a little bit of emptiness in it that's yeah maybe that human touch is kind of missing a little bit and this has got a lot of warmth and a lot of heart but that just that acknowledgement between the two of them that they genuinely do love each other well maybe that's just a, you know interestingly even brought... you don't even have to say it just show it more physically like but know, what do you want a big kiss at the end like you know it's a not... little bit yeah what's wrong with that she's that wrong with two people? That, that's not their relationship yeah. is it that's so really just... like that's just a bit kind of Oh, it ends what is, so is it so is it a friend a film about friendship or is it a film about is it about platonic love then? Yeah, it's about? not a. He's a man and she's a woman, but you know she could easily be a guy. 
ultimately. Yeah, but it's a different it, it's a different dynamic, isn't it? When it's well, so he's he's on his way to prom with straight the, people. He's he's on his way to prom with a hot girl. His sign of love for Rachel is that he instead takes and goes to the hospital, sees her. They're really. It would see. I read that differently to you. I thought that. Did he agree to go to prom with? Um, well, he said word Madison. Uh, oh no, he said yeah, word about the film, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. But there's a there's an ambiguity, I think, about that, and I don't know if his mum thinks he's off to go to the prom or if she knows that he's going to the hospital. I, I don't. Did, think I thought it was the other way around. I think the audience is unaware that he he, he changes his mind and decides to go because to go see um, Rachel at the end. Yeah. And I think when um, Rachel's mum sees him, she kind of... It looks like they organised it a little bit. Yeah, and like, I, I think, I, she and I think it's better than, like, you know, somebody's about to board a plane, so he decides last minute, oh, I'm going to run through the plane security yeah. and, and grab her and kiss her. This is the equivalent of that, because because it's, because it's all the way through, it's dispelling this idea that they're going to hug and kiss and make out and all that. And but it, then it would be, that it would was... Be, it, would be, uh, it would be a betrayal of that if he kissed her romantically because that's not the point of their relationship but then if you're saying well it needs to subvert expectation have him just go to the prom and not see her and then you know she dies without him saying goodbye why, why do you need to see 17 year olds kiss you maybe this is a maybe this is a flaw of yours maybe maybe you're just so desperate to see teens terminally ill teens kissing for your benefit and then no, it, uh, then then you teams. then they we watch be, it. They then we both, watch it go be, in. This could... Then they show it. <laughs> All right. <no. laughs> I feel like there's a. It could. This could be. They could be in the forties. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, they could be in the seventies. All right. We're be... starting to know a bit more about your search history, aren't we? Um, <laughs> so we, we could go, is... we could go round and round on this actually, basically. So it's it it, it left. Well, look, if that that's my one criticism of the film. Or my main criticism of it yeah. is that there isn't there isn't a real there's a kind of a payoff in the last scene which is really beautiful, but I, I, you don't feel like there's a real payoff between those two, and that's a shame. Now, yes, it is bold to do and to go and say, well, no, not this isn't how it works in the real world. But this film is so, you know, it's got two kids making these amazing indie films. You know, quite honestly, unless their dad's giving him his dad's giving him like a thousand dollars to go out and make these, <laughs> he's not he's not able to make these. So they're already setting down their severe indie sensibilities, putting bringing characters to life that aren't really believable. So if you're going to have unbelievable characters, I feel like you need to have um, real sort of generic convention relationship because they've. Do you know why I wanted it, or why it felt like they could have had it? Because you're they've done the groundwork. <laughs> no, I <laughs> see. I... Yeah, but they've done. They've done the. They've done the groundwork. They've given you a really emotional story. You're in bits by the end of it because she dies and he finally comes round to going and re- giving a, giving the uh, appreciation for that he has in his heart. So I I would have liked to have just seen a little bit where they. They don't even have to kiss. They just even like her just nuzzling just into over the over the clothes. Sweet. Just something romantic. Frottage. Oh. <laughs> you're being facetious now. No, I am being facetious because I think it's a perfect payoff for you're what a knob. for the ground <laughs> for the groundwork that they because the groundwork that they've done is these are quirky teens who have been forced together, and it's not a John Hughes film. It's not. It's not a. Yeah, but it's quirky not a Richard teens Curtis forced film. together do end up getting off with each other. Yeah, so. in like a in like a John Hughes Richard Curtis film. No, it's more in like, real life they these would are have. like I just arty. Don't know. I think they would have. It's I not think the they would have fallen in love. It's not the point. They no, do fall in love, but it's That's, it's not a romantic love. Yeah, it's but a, it's you know it's a beautiful love that, it, it, like okay, so a film. I'm trying to think of an example of a film that we're not going to do actually. So. Here's a less good film, but it's a film that we're not going to do for the podcast. Uh, the film Ghost Town. Have you seen Ghost Town? I think a few years ago, yeah. I don't really remember it. So it good if memory serves me correct. Ricky Gervais is inspired by a film that we're going to do further down the line, so I don't want to say what that film is because it might spoil an ending for you. He's inspired by this really good film, and it's a kind of a romantic comedy sort of thing. And at the end, they don't have a big kiss with a swelling orchestra. orchestra. Instead, they, mm. they have a little joke that signifies their relationship so at the end of ghost town for example he, spoiler for ghost town um 
he's a dentist, the woman he likes, she's he sees her months later and she's in a dentist chair and she says, oh, I've got a problem with my smile, I've got some teeth I need sorting out, and he said, I can fix that for you. And it's not this big kiss thing, it's just like a little moment that they have, and he's done that in a few different films, uh, again, over the, you know, loads of things like that, because the kiss is it's cheap, I think, it's fake Hollywood, rom com conventional running at the airport and getting them a last second under rain kind of kind of stuff isn't it it's not that kind of film isn't it much more beautiful to have this like two, this this slideshow elements that of it that film. are like that though i think they try but they they set you like for me i thought they were going to subvert the expectation because he's an unreliable narrator because a couple of points he goes oh you know when they do the, the she reciprocates the laughter and she does the um like the freaking out thing that he shows the her. Subhuman state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, that's it, subhuman state. And he goes, oh, well, if this was like... He basically goes, well, we start making out and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And and it, and then the bit where uh, they're watching one of the films, is it the... Well, which film is it? They're, are they watching one of his films? Or are they, oh, what's... oh, I think it's... Um, oh, what's the Gene Hackman film? <laughs> no, it's no, it's no, it's two forty eight cowboy though, watching <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant. <laughs> two forty eight PM and a cowboy, <laughs> yeah, and a sockwer Corinne as well. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, and um, <laughs> you know, it shows her like get, you know, he's talking over it, saying, "Oh, she's getting ill, getting sick," and mm. you know, she would just cuddle into him, and so they kind of pay it off in that way, I guess. But I just wanted it because they saying this isn't going to happen, this isn't going to happen. Oh, she gets better. I wanted him to because she's vulnerable but at no point is she does she need him because she's vulnerable yeah and that and at that moment at the you know a dying moment do you think she would just show that little bit of need for him rather than just sitting there watching a film and then going into a coma I mean I don't think she says a word in that scene and then they're lying in bed together uh, and then she selfishly dies before doing whatever you wanted her to do to him Um, I think this leads us nicely into favourite scenes though so uh, I'm going to just before we go into favourite scenes yeah just got a few more things Um, John Berntal is good in this film but I don't for a second believe that that character's a teacher. <laughs> I mean, America might be different, but there's not a. Mo- I've never met anyone who teaches history who acts like that. Yeah. What is it? Res- respect the. What was it? Respect the. Respect the um, research. Respect the research, and he's got all the tats on him. It's like, yeah. Yeah, no, that was a bit. Yeah, I didn't really like that. If I'm being honest, um, there's not enough Earl in this film. It, yeah, the film's true. called the film. We, you know, when we did Snowpiercer, and you said. Um, Good film, strange title. Yeah. This is again, good film, strange title. I know it was a novel before it was a film, so I wonder. I'd, I'd like to know why. Maybe Earl is more prominent in the book than yeah. he is in the film. Um, well, I'd love to be able to ask Jesse like, Andrews that. I've been tweeting at him all week, and he's just not not responded to anything. You know, so we'll, oh, we'll take that up with Mister Andrews. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have liked. You know, I, I've retitled it here: "Me Dying Girl." Oh, and a bit of Earl. <laughs> yeah, he is because <laughs> there is a there is a bit, and he is the most. He's probably he's an interesting character. I found. Mm. Yeah, I thought he was. He had. He almost had more. Almost had more chemistry with her at times. But yeah, I thought it was yeah, going to be yeah. like the three of them being friends. To, like you know, if you're subverting expectations, like indie films have to, and that's their thing. Is that you thought they'd be like the three of them would be friends and you'd see all that fun and happiness between them and then obviously them being sad together if she did die and yeah, yeah he kind of just hangs out his mates but he's he's more like he's like his bullshit meter you know, if you're, <laughs> you're being too bullshitty right now I'm going to call you out on it yeah so yeah yeah he's, but, he's like you say it's a lot of chalk and cheese liked, it's good that it's not just two Gregs yeah you know that would be lesser but yeah but yeah it's um, on balance it's a good film Good, good. Well, let's get into some favourite scenes then. Have you got a favourite scene? Um, so I've already mentioned it. I really enjoyed the uh, the argument scene where she tells him that she's stopping. He's she's mm. stopping having chemo, and you know it's like, you know, would you just? It's one of those where, like you said, in a bad film, they would be stood like square on each other arguing. 
you yeah. know, where he she's just sat they've filmed it they've you know the camera's brilliant in that scene because it just literally it stays in one position right until the very end and it just tracks him leaving yeah and it doesn't move whilst he's going through all the emotions of basically realizing his friend's probably going to die there's a realism as well that there isn't it's not a shouting match there's a lot of silence most arguments that are difficult yeah. to resolve are, are mostly silent it's that's five minute scene is that five minutes yeah with no yeah. cuts um, or anything yeah and that's probably for me the best the i think the best the most well-made part scene in the film is the uh the scene at the end in, in, when, when he's in, in a bedroom and he's, that is beautiful yeah that. <clears throat> yeah um i mean you could say this film's a little saccharine at times maybe yeah I think that yeah scene i mean at that... the end's a little bit too perfect yeah, yeah you've already you've already, you've already the walls and the cried <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's a bit very beautiful and and as quirky yeah. as it is it does follow those conventions it sets that up when when john burntall's character's telling him about his dad and all that sort of stuff it does set up and pay off quite a lot there's a lot of squirrel stuff and all that but it's a it's a beautiful way of expressing that i thought I've got a couple of other scenes that I like, but I think maybe yeah. one of them might be one of the scenes you mentioned. So sure, I'll, I'll do, mention mine first. Next. So we have mentioned this scene. Um, it's, it's when Greg is explaining to Rachel how to avoid those stupid conversations by going into a subhuman state. It's I think this. I think it's the second time oh, yeah. that he visits her. I don't think it's the first time. Yeah. I think what I really like about it is that he's already broken down the defences a little bit on their first meeting, clearly showing that he's not just there out of pity. And then in this case, he's really by by being referential about the type of people that she's probably sick of hearing from she sees him mm. as an ally he's not just another one of those people who are going to ask really bullshit questions he's really funny, he's really charming he puts her at ease really well and uh, he's not just there to say bland things and it, and it made me laugh out <laughs> loud on my own which I thought was you know, it's a, quite an achievement always I really like the bit where um, Hugh Jackman is <laughs> giving it to him straight about, yeah. you know, you're uh, <laughs> you're taking the mick basically out of a girl who could be dying. Yeah. I've been up here. I love how he's like, I'm, I've been up here for five years <laughs> and she doesn't take me down mainly out of loyalty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> I definitely did that as a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly yeah. feel bad about it. Do you know who that was originally in the novel? Do you know which actor it was I don't originally? know. It was Daniel Craig. No. Daniel Craig originally. Oh, right. Yeah. And they couldn't get him, I'm guessing. Must be something like that. Was yeah, it Hugh? Probably. Is it Hugh Jackman? It's actually Hugh Jackman, I'm yeah. <laughs> I thought so, because they wouldn't... I don't think they would have him doing... I wouldn't think they wouldn't get somebody in to sound like him. I wouldn't have thought they would have had so him doing an Australian accent. Voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it would either be Greg or Thomas Mann voicing it in an Australian accent, or it would be the real, the real actor, I would have thought. Yeah, I wonder yeah, which that's... poster of Daniel Craig they use. I bet it was from like one of the James Bond films. It must be. Yeah, maybe, well, obviously, maybe coming like out from of the like uh, Casino Royale or something. Yeah, yeah, old pecs. Yeah. That have been glistening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I would love Daniel to Daniel Craig for that. It, it must have been scheduled conflict or something. I would love to read the novel. I haven't yet. I've got um, another one of Jesse Andrews' novels called Mun Muns, uh, where, where it's a kind of dystopian uh, parallel universe where how rich you are dictates how big you are so if you're very poor you're at risk from cats and all this sort of stuff it's quite quite an interesting one and your, your goal is basically to marry rich so that they they get smaller but you get bigger it's a social right. commentary thing um yeah that's my favorite scene what, what, were the other, what were the other scenes that stuck out to you um the scene where they're eating the ice cream and they're both on drugs <laughs> and um Earl's explaining to Rachel what why Earl is the way he is essentially Craig's issues breaks yeah. that whole Yeah, sorry, not Earl's the way he is, uh, yeah, Craig. Uh, yeah, Greg. 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 Yeah. Um Yeah, that bit's really it's really like like I said, that's the bit where you go, Oh, Earl's like this dude <laughs> you know yeah. he just he just gets it yeah yeah um, like you say he, he cuts right through the bullshit doesn't he yeah because because you because you get the narrative from um greg's point of view where he's like oh he's my co-worker and, yeah and greg's and uh, earl's just like no he's my mate <laughs> yeah. i don't know why he says that it's because he's insecure i guess i really you like know, characters his tells that, him he's handsome and... characters that don't give a shit in the the film place beyond the pines that we talked about previously ben hmm. uh, mendelson's character in that is just like people 
can come along and go, oh, he goes, oh, you're good on a bike. Well, just come and live in this caravan. Don't really care. Just come and go. You know, just they're just like what, like they're not airs and graces. They don't really care. They're quite yeah. easy, easy to be around. Favorite, yeah, favorite yeah, line then? Have you got a favorite line? Yes, um, my favorite line. I'm going to read it all out to you. Give it some. Um, why I want to go to college by Werner Herzog. <laughs> the highly selective admissions process weeds out the cruel and stupid. So college is unlike the senseless chaos and sickening enormity of high school. High school is the mouth of the great demon biting and chewing and smushing people in the face. It is simply overwhelming. <laughs> overwhelming. That is yeah. I'd love to be able to go to it. Overwhelming. Yeah. Clearly mine's not yeah, very good. good. Yeah. That's good. Just, that is a that very good choice. That is my favourite line. Yeah. yeah. By a million yeah, yeah. miles. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's just hilarious. <laughs> it captures yeah. him. Um, I'd love to see more Werner Herzog stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I like that the fact that they're watching bits of it as well. That's really yeah. funny. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose it's if yeah. you if you don't know who Werner Herzog is, at least you've got his voice in your head now when you've you've seen the little snippets. Really, for, <laughs> for me as well, it's a bit of a bit of a paragraph. Um, so this is Greg narrating. So we're pretty far into this stupid story now, and you're probably saying to yourself, "Hey, I like this girl Rachel, and I'm going to be pissed off if she dies at the end." Don't freak out; she survives. So hopefully that reassures you. Although actually, why would it? And it's a good line because of its function in the in the film. I, I, I thought it was so important, and it's what makes her death hit me ten times harder than it would. Because it's called the dying girl. She's been dying the whole film. I would have felt bad about her dying at the end, but it, it, it's it's like it's kind of like somebody who's got a terminal diagnosis. You know that people survive a lot of these cancers and so on. So you know that you're not completely resigned to death so maybe it'll come around and he's told us outright it's going to come around and then it doesn't and it's just like it's like you're dying for a brief moment in that because <laughs> you're like well it, this can't be happening and it's mm. it makes it a lot more effective yeah um yeah there was some of the good lines in it um i like the uh the speech that john berntal's character like i like yeah. that speech he gives About i his don't think yeah i just i just don't think that's i just don't think it's the right character actor to play that character he's a great he's a good actor but i just don't like i just don't buy him yeah. you know like what was you were saying uh with in snowpiercer you didn't buy um tilda swinton oh yeah as uh the the woman just takes you out of it a little bit con- yeah the maggie thatcher-esque character <laughs> the rose yeah. west Yes, Rose West. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair enough. I don't. I didn't feel that way, but I, I I'm not I'm not w- willing or able to argue against that. You know, I I quite yeah. I quite liked it because he was unorthodox but clearly passionate about history. It's not like he's a stoner who hates his students. He's just. But anyway, I, you know, no. I, I'm not going to argue. He's against just like that. the character's a good teacher. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's he's straight with the students. He doesn't. Again, you said airs and graces. He's like no, no nonsense kind of character. Which yeah, yeah. Um, you get te- you do get teachers like that when you were in school. They're the most inspiring, those... aren't they? They're not by the numbers. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They tell you how life is going to be essentially. <laughs> yeah, um, you do. Although I think that. a lot of history teachers are like that generally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I've read it. I've, I've read it all, man. <laughs> been there, I done there. That. You weren't read there. The textbook. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, were you there on the walls of Edessa when it fell, or the <laughs> fires of Constantinople? You know, have you read the? That's, you know, the that's why I dropped it before GCSE. Um, right, well, uh, yeah. after the break, we're going to hear a few things. We're going to get some critics' reviews. We're going to get Hughes rating out of 10. And we're going to have a mega quiz and some social media engagements. So join us after the break. Hello, and welcome back to Please Watch This. We are now going to hear a little bit from some professional critics. We are just not paid for it. I mean, we're professional standard. We just it's not a profession um, Hugh if you had to guess what Metacritic score would you say this film got uh, I'd say it's in the 70s somewhere maybe you're very good at Metacritic 75. Uh, 74 26. your very first guess well done I'm starting to suspect you're cheating nice. but, I, but, but I know your character I mean, I it, I mean it is it is on I mean, he's on IMDb, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the app. So I did see it earlier, so, so I knew it was in the 70s. Misleading us. Um, so, so I'm going to start with our favourite living uh, film critic, Mark Kermode. Love Mark Kermode. We've, you know, we've seen and read everything he's ever had to do. Um, he said, 
it's very moving, very affect- affecting. He wasn't expecting to be won over by it. He he was worried that it was going to be it's off the back of Fault in Our Stars, too saccharine, too saccharine. yeah, and it was a bit too twee and all that. But actually, um, yeah, and he he said it, he he was worried it was just going to be an indie inflected take on Fault in Our Stars, but it manages to avoid a mawkishness and sentimentality without recourse to emotional detachment. It's not something that feels arch, and it's genuinely charming, so he used that word as well. He, he was charmed by it. He really liked it. He didn't give a, a rating for it on the radio show, which he, which he never does, but um, he was a big fan. Yeah, it it was. It's, um, it is hard not to use that word, charming, because unfortunately, it's a very yeah. Apt, it relies on charm, doesn't you know. it? It, it? It tries to charm you, and you know, and, and, yeah. it, and it works, or it doesn't, depending on your view. Um, I got. Is it a verb? Or an to charm, charming, yeah. Charm, but also a something a gerund verb to you know. I am charming her tonight, lads. Yeah. I got the lowest rated score that I could find on Metacritic, 30% from Scott Tobias in The Dissolve. And he said that this is a... Ris- in The Dissolve, Dissolve. If that's the publication. Alfonso Gomez Rejon's risible second feature um, doesn't have the perspective that its hero lacks. The world is little but a mechanism to advance his narrative, to make him a better filmmaker, to make him a better friend, and perhaps to get him into the college of his choice. Everyone else in the movie might as well be dead by the end of it too, for all their individual dist- destinies matter in the grand scheme of th- things. Gomez Rejon has re- erected a gleaming shrine to adolescent narcissism. I mean, I've nothing against the kid being narcissistic. I, I wouldn't call it. It's a, it's from his point of view. It's his intimate uh, adapt, not adaptation. His intimate development sort of point of view yeah. of what happened. It's not happened like oh, this film is about and... me trying to get into the college of my choice, is it? Or being a really good filmmaker. No, it's him. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of things that it doesn't deal with, so to speak. Um, I mean, yeah, the only thing the only thing I would say there is that, you know, Earl's not a character that gets developed in this film, which I thought it was yeah. going to be by the title. So that's, a, that's yeah, the only Yeah, he's kind shame, of arguing really. against there being a main protagonist here. I'd, yeah, I think he just didn't... I don't think he got the right end of this film, so I'm kind of glad you disagree with Scott Tobias there. Um, we're going to get Hugh's rating then, the most important rating of all. Hugh, how many... Superb Andouille rabbit sausages out of ten. Would you give this? <laughs> I had to go find the script. By the way, listener, if you like reading scripts, uh, you can find the full script on uh, if you Google it, and uh, that's where I had to find the, the wording for that. It's a really good script. There's a lot that's left out. I mean, you were right earlier. Seven. It is a seven. Yeah, I think your review kind of leads to that. It's been. Yeah. I think that that's been the modal answer that you've given. Uh, in these films, because Seven's quite a safe, good film, isn't it? Well, it's not. Can a bad you talk film, us through what is a, What's a ten out of ten for you? What's a nine? What's an eight? Oh, but Christ you know what? So out, to get to an eight out of ten, what does <laughs> um, a film have to be? Well, I think I think you have to I think you have to put them into the I think you have to break it down by genre. So what's a ten out of ten sci-fi film? What's a ten out of ten horror film? What's a ten out of ten? Are there common traits to, what's to a, all ten, 10 out of ten? 10 10 of, you know what would this film have to? I don't know. I think. If he kissed her at the end um, and it became romantic, would that it, be an eight out of ten? It could have. Div- no, it still would have been a. It right. still would have been a seven. I think it could have done with being a bit longer. I think you could have had character development a bit more of um, yeah. of uh, Earl again. He's just kind of there. Doesn't uh, have doesn't an really arc. Change. I mean, yeah. that's maybe his function. No, he doesn't have an arc, and you know he's meant yeah. to be a titular <laughs> character effectively. Um, the main characters. He, he learns a lesson, but he's already... You know what it is? Yeah. He's a nice guy. She's right, what she says in the letter. He's a lovely young man. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's detached because he doesn't want to... You know, he's not an idiot. So if if he had some fatal flaw, and it was, but he, or he had a redeemable flaw, that wasn't like, oh, he's a, you know, she just says, oh, you just need to grow up a bit. And that's, that's, that's the point of the film. Yeah. He just needs to grow up a bit. I would say, though, I would recommend to, like... A young teenager to watch this film. Like I'd, I'd recommend *Boys right. in the Hood*. I recommend this because it's not a bad film. I've not seen *Fault in Their Stars*, so I'm not sure which is the better of the two. Obviously, that was more popular and yeah, made a lot more money. Um, but that bit more conventional. I like its indie sensibility. I like the fact that every time Madison comes around, they do show <laughs> the um, the elk. Did he say or the moose? The moose yeah. standing on the groundhog? Some or, sort of small um, woodland creature. Yeah, I really. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And they do it from like, different angles. <laughs> and then and, he finally, you know, at the end, he when he confronts her, and he avoids it. Yeah, yeah, and that's. But that was the only, like, even the scene when they argue when she tells him she's not doing the chemo anymore, and he goes a bit. Oh, well, think what you know. I'm just not going to come round here, and you can almost feel you, you have sympathy for him in that moment. There's no the only bit where he comes across as a top ten <laughs> asshole, which if he was a full on narcissist, mm. he would be doing this all the time. Is when he does say to Matt when Madison keeps putting her, her hand on his arm, and she and he says to her, "Oh, you, you, know, you know what I does to a kid?" I do love me, that speech. Essentially, <laughs> and he's completely. You know, he's completely mm. self-indulgent in that moment. Even when he goes to confront Earl about telling... Um, yeah. About telling uh, her that they're making the film, uh, Rachel, that they're making the film. In that scene, you can almost... You, sympath- you do see a bit from his point of view because you go, well, yeah, he sh- you know what? From his point of view, he shouldn't have told yeah. um, Rachel. Earl shouldn't have said that. And Earl just shoots him <laughs> down completely. Yeah, that's a great but, scene, that. That's really... No, it's something I think like just punches that. Him in yeah, it's a really good way of getting you to. But he might emotionally kick <laughs> yeah. him in the bollocks. He stops him in his tracks just as effectively. But again, you don't. But I don't feel like they ever. They did. I don't feel like they truly fell out. That's, they just yeah. had a fight. You yeah. know. If it... But no, I mean, I, did, I, I like like I said at the start, I did expect a seven, and I think that's it's fine, isn't it, for a low, low budget indie film? Yeah. A lot of them, they do they do aspire for that. Are you ready for the quiz? Okay. No. <laughs> See you all next week. I think I'm going to struggle this week. Uh, so this one, yeah. this one is quite an enjoyable. Yeah. I'm going to start with quite an enjoyable question. Um, if you can, as a challenge, try not to say any that you've already said. Name five of the films that they make in this film. Like I say, if possible, try not to mention the ones that you've already said. Oh, I don't know the names of all the films, and I've already. I'll give you men- credit if you can tell me the films two. that they parody. Name how many? Five. Jesus, Sam. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit out a long silence now. I, I, yeah, we've said Midnight Cowboy. We said Seven Samurai. We said uh, Not seven, seven, uh, seventh seven Seal. Seventh Seal. Seven Samurai. I haven't mentioned that. Do they have that? It's mentioned. I'm looking, I'm looking down my list. <laughs> These... You keep thinking while I look down the list. <laughs> no, um, I don't think they the do. Conversations, so. one of them. No. Uh... Is that not what they're watching... It, I'm sure it's the beginning scene of the conversation. I've seen that bit. It's where they're in the building, and maybe it's a different film from the seventies. <laughs> it's a very long. I'm oh, you're right. Sorry, you are right. Yeah, the conversation watch. is another one. Yeah, yeah, you are. Right. Yeah, I've mentioned. To be honest with Sam, I've mentioned the ones. So I'm, I'm just gonna. Remember. I'm just gonna pick out some of my favourite ones. <laughs> Jurassic Skate Park. Damn it! I knew you were gonna yeah, ask this. Jurassic Skate Park because it's got loads of DVD <sighs> shows, and there's a couple of websites that do. Yeah, it goes through. It IMDb does it as well. Gross Encounters of the Third Kind. I think the one that I really like is the one that is explaining to Rachel. Do you remember it's a film that we've already covered? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's a, a box of tulips now yeah, or yeah. something. Bo- box of lips. Like wow. <laughs> and it's tulips. Yeah. Oh, box of lips. Yeah. <laughs> There's just lots of really. Yeah. Um, Yo, for real, can I have a tulip? <laughs> <laughs> My favourite, I think, is Grumpy Cul de Sacs. What film do you think that is? Grumpy Cul de Sacs. I, I, sh- I wasn't sure, actually. It's not uh, the Stepford no, Wives, it, or does it? Do they all have no, to? No, no. It's usually like you know synonyms. So it's a it's a Scorsese Robert De Niro film from the seventies. Oh, is it Mean Streets? Mean Streets. <laughs> I think the one that made me laugh out loud the most was My Dinner with Andre the Giant, as opposed to My Dinner with Andre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he stands up and he's still out of frame. Yeah. His head's out of frame. Yeah. He's just his body out of frame. <laughs> I yeah, mean, that we, was My Dinner with Andre the Giant. I'll breathe, That's breathe really... less. And he's got like an inhaler and he's on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but stuff like that, like where you go... I just don't. I do, I do you think a teenage kid would be that small? Yeah, there there are those there are those film kids that are like that that, that like Truffaut really? and Fellini. Yeah, yeah. Not every teenager, but as a teacher, I, I know that there's always there's always a small another. group, three or four kids per year who are you know they're they're into films and they really know these things. So would they get those jokes then? Yeah. So would that be? Yeah. Would they make the? Because yeah, I think like, I think that, most because it's quite meta, isn't it? That my dinner with Andre by having yeah, the, yeah. the guy who was starred opposite Andre the Giant <laughs> in his one film, basically that he was true, famous yeah, for. True, yeah, true, yeah. I don't know if they you know. That. So it's that. Yeah. Well, it's 
it's that kind of meta yeah sort of, that does work on more levels but yeah I mean like yeah. most people like, who like French cinema and all that they, like, they get into it as a teenager because they want to be deep and want to know films better and it and they're very showy about that. But that's good. I think you've got... It's a turtleneck, smoke and sugar. Line, yeah, that's it. Berry you've, and... Black and white camera, you've got it. Carry around yeah. a copy of Camus and all that. The plague. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, question, question two. What word does Mr. McCarthy have tattooed on his neck? Oh, I didn't catch it. I didn't really... Respect didn't the... Much, unfortunately. Oh, is it respect the research? Research. So he just has the word research on the back of his neck. Uh, this is a beautiful question. Which animal according to Greg has the purest expression of regret in the animal kingdom oh flip <laughs> oh what was it it's not an animal it's like an anonymous no no it's an animal object. it's an animal oh is it yeah I'll give you a clue it appeared in I can't remember Sam it appeared in the last film that you recommended to me no no in the one before that <laughs> in the second to last film that you recommended to me I can't even remember what I recommended to you before. I've slept since then. Snow It was like three weeks ago. Oh, it's a, a polar bear? Polar bear, <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it a polar bear? Yeah. I thought it was an inanimate object, and he, that was the joke, that he was like personifying an inanimate object. Because that's what he does with the cushions, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, oh, we had the cushion, I got really attached to it, but uh, <laughs> we had to give it away. <laughs> that bit's really good as well. I'd like you... Oh, I didn't realise this was going to be... I forgot this was going to be one of my questions. I'd like you to briefly describe the plot of the Apocalypse Now parody. Oh, they find a box of <laughs> uh, tulips and they're like, wow, <laughs> tulips! <laughs> I'll take it. And finally, very difficult question. It's only mentioned once, you might have missed it, but it's a great pun. What's the name of the cat? What's the name of Greg and his family's cat? I'll give you a clue. Yeah, please, because I, did, I didn't There's a first it. name and a last name. His first name is Cat. Oh, it's Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens, yeah. Yes, I did. Well remember. done. Well if they done. ever get a dog, they'll have to call it Yusuf Islam. <laughs> Ruffs. Ruffs of Islam. Yeah. <laughs> really scandal, no, not it? as well as Cat Stevens. <laughs> So, yeah, so what's that? Two. You got. You two don't, I'll give you five. quite a few there, I think. So you got the Cat Stevens. I got. You got the Apocalypse Now, yeah. and you got. I think you got five films. So I'm going to give you three out of five there. Very admirable. Thanks. Three out of five. Listen, how have you still got a job when you're this generous a mark? Well, this is it. I take bribes <laughs> and uh, I, I spread the money around. Uh, but yeah. So in conclusion, I did enjoy this film. Yeah. It's. It's. I think if you want to see like. I don't know. You know when you say it's like a 10 out of 10? I'm very cautious with that rating because it it's interpretation. And ultimately, if you say something's 10 out of 10, you are saying this is perfect. Mm. So in theory, no film for me is actually a 10 out of 10. Every film should be like... Like my favourite film ever should be more like a 9.9 out of 10. Right, right. Because there's, there are flaws with that. And I think so I'd... the question is, what is a 9.9 film for me? Yeah. Um, and it sounds cliche, but when it comes to like indie teen flicks, kind of this, you know, with a bit of humour, I think Scott Pilgrim's a better film than this. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, Scott Pilgrim is a great example. I watched that again this week and it is a brilliant, brilliant Did you? film. Just so good, yeah. so endlessly good. Yeah, I think sometimes it comes down to how good could, let's say, Miriel and the Dying Girl, how good could this film possibly be? given what it's about and so yeah. on. Sometimes for something to be a 10 out of 10, it almost has to change the subject matter or you have to get a director like Edgar Wright who's so distinctive and visually funny and all that to, to make it a 10 out of 10. But I do think this film is visually distinctive. I think it um, it could definitely... The director, I think, hopefully he's had more work since this. I'm not. It wasn't a name I recognised, but it would be a director I'd quite happily see again. Yeah, I've not seen much of his work. He's done, what he can do. he's done a lot of TV. He's done Glee and American Horror Story, and I think he's had three films now, but I've not seen anything else that he's done, to be honest. And you're right, he's, he's got some got some chops. So, Hugh, the big question remains, what are we going to watch next week? So next week, we're going to watch the film uh, starring Scarlett Johansson and uh, Adam Driver called Marriage Story. Fantastic. came out only last year. Mm. Um, another film about a relationship and the breakdown of a relationship. Sam, what do you know about this film? Very little. I know it's Noah Baumbach, and I've really enjoyed Squid and the Whale. And uh, what's the other one called? Miss... Uh, uh, the Adam Sandler one. Yes, I, I, I've only seen this. This is the only film of his that I'm aware of that I've seen. But I really like Squid and the Whale. You know, that's also about a, a marriage breakdown. There's children. I feel like maybe Noah Baumbach not didn't have the happiest upbringing. Um, 
I think I've seen the odd meme, but luckily I don't know anything. I don't know if people have cheated or if it's like... I don't even know if it's over a long period of time or if it's the, their relationship's already broken down and we're seeing the the gritty realism of it. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching it. I, it's a film that fascinated me. I put off watching it because I knew we do a film podcast where I'm supposed to watch films. <laughs> I've really just been waiting to do I mean, it. The only thing... I- the only thing I would say about it is perhaps don't watch it if you're having a fight with your girlfriend. You know, if the you know, arguments that sometimes rumble on for like uh, a day or so. I made the mistake of watching you know, um, Blue Valentine while I was in the last few months of a, of a long-term relationship. That didn't help. On <laughs> the back of that head, relationship, the back yeah. of that head. Didn't help at all. So Hugh, if they want to get in touch with us and tell us all about their favourite divorce film, how might they do that? Well, so what they need to do is they need themselves to get married right. and get divorced. And then when they're at the office where, you, you know, you get these things registered, a registry office, I imagine. <laughs> I'm guessing when you get divorced, you also have to go to a registry office to confirm your divorce. Okay, you know, through the post. Uh, yeah. circum- so before you before you go on with this this great diatribe, it's only now occurring to me that you, you improvise these things. I, don't, I assume you always prepare these things based on the film that we've just watched. Nope. So if I had asked about piece uh, every time, if I had asked something related to my, you just said uh, me and Ellen Dangle, you, you just said, oh, they need to make their own short, like small budget film that has a message, etc. Yeah. So how, so Sam, how would they get it to us in that situation? Well, obviously they would keep it on a on a shelf with all the other films that they've made until one of them died of a terminal illness, and then probably. Yep. Send a letter to a university near us, uh, explaining the filmmaking process. We'd probably have to. They could, get, they could. I mean, they could get the university to forward it to you. I guess that's it. Care of. You've, you've got yeah. You've got access to that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good, good network. Sam, I hear, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I've got potential. But <laughs> Sam, but if they were to like, if they needed to do it with a bit more brevity, okay. How would they do and it? so, if they wanted a response during their lifetime, I would say probably email. <laughs> so, what, right. do we have? Do and we have an email address? We do have an email address. Oh. Let's finish it. Wow. Ask. Um, it's uh, please watch this dot pod at gmail dot com. Sam, mm. if they didn't want to do that because they're you know not old fashioned like me, <laughs> and they wanted to do it through the newfangled social media, oh how would they do that? They have to go all the way back to two thousand and what nine seven <laughs> <laughs> to again https <laughs> etc twitter dot com. Maybe we should set up a TikTok. <laughs> what is a TikTok? No, I, I mean I don't think we should. It's a clock. I don't think we should. <laughs> and they should tweet us at Please Watch Pod. We're on Facebook at Please Watch Pod as well, but we don't really use that other than advertising the episodes. So yeah, get with us on Twitter at Please Watch Pod. Huey only remains to Please say th- thank you so much for joining me again this week and. Uh, your pleasure as always <laughs> it's all on this side of the table and I look forward to, yep. you, uh, to talking to you next week yes good good tidings good tidings indeed <laughs> well listener yeah. we love you and we hope you're staying safe and all that and uh, talk to you next week yeah take care bye, bye.